Welcome back to the Glint Standard. Today we're going to be talking about five things we would never do in digital advertising. Last week we talked about five things we would never do in advertising. This week we're talking about five things we would never do in digital advertising. We have Lindsay Huffman with us today. Hey. She's one of our digital experts, lucky for us. <laughs> gonna go through some of those things. And the, thing, the five things we're gonna go over first, I guess not first, the five things we are gonna go over are we will never blend the brand. We'll never use someone else's content without licensing or approval. We'll never assume our audience is everybody. And number four. We'll never use something that works against the algorithm. How am I not remembering these things? It's crazy. And then number five, we'll never lose sight of the, vo of the brand voice. So let's jump on number one, blending the brand. Okay. Um, what we're talking about there is we don't really want to blend the brand with everybody else. Right. And I liken this to digital has become so far now yes. that Liken it to an old newspaper where you really had to have a great headline, yeah, a great absolutely. image, something that's going to draw you in against everybody else. And digital has yeah. kind of become that landscape. It's a massive neighborhood now across right. the world. Yeah. So how do we stand out? Yeah. So part of that not losing the brand and with everybody else is really yeah. going to stand out now. Absolutely. You don't want to get lost in the noise is another way of saying that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good way to say it. So that, that creative um, approach to what you say and how you say it mm -hmm. can become just that little edge or that little difference that makes you more successful than everybody else. Absolutely. How would you, I mean, if we're talking about that, right? Like, what do you think is the key to making a brand stand out? I think you have to know the brand standards are one. Okay, You have sure. consistency, obviously, in yeah. color, fonts, and things like that. Absolutely. But are they typically having a lot of fun with their headlines? Or do they have a lot of personality in their brand? Yeah. Are they very straight about, I'm the, the low-cost leader? Right, yeah. you continue to align with that versus putting something up and just listening to AI or certain algorithms that will tell you do it this way because right. it's successful for everybody else. That's a great starting point, but the difference is being able to take it further than that. Yeah, absolutely. So. It's that's such an interesting, I think, topic because um, it's really easy to want to copy what other brands are doing that are that's working well. But being able to like find your own voice and doing it consistently um, in a way that is unique to your brand, I think is is actually really tricky. And so once you can nail it, you know, it helps. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I, I agree with you in that. There's a lot to it. That's why you're here yeah. today. Um, the number two. Yep. Never using someone else's content. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, the, I would say like the thing that I've run into the one of the the, the most often as far as. I can't say most often, but it, it's fairly common, right? Where someone sees an ad that they just genuinely love, so they screen capture it and then they post it. Yeah. And you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's not yours. You know, and so um, it's it's really just making sure that that you're you're being fair to other creatives that have done work ahead of you. And then also not just taking someone else's brand voice, but finding your own. You know, and I think it goes back to that first point we talked about. Um, but I think probably the most insane story I've ever heard um, about this because people don't realize that lawsuits are a very real thing when it comes to copyright uh, oh yeah. and imagery. And so there was um, 
there's one person who she had just written a, um, a it was a food blog and she just went to Google and looked for an image of like a spicy pepper and put it on Google. And she ended up getting sued for thousands of dollars because she, she didn't actually get the rights to use that image. Yeah. And she's like, I just posted a blog with the image. And they're like, you didn't get permission. you know. Yeah. And so I think it's that. It's one, protecting the brand, protecting the company, and then also keeping your brand voice unique by not taking someone else's content. Well, the side of it too is uh, talent goes into making content. Oh, yeah. And that's what people lose sight of. It may be the most awesome pepper in the world, and that's why you picked it. Right. But that's why you picked it, because you love it. You know, oh, it's so good. Yes. But if you can't create it yourself, then yep. don't do that. Unless exactly. you're using royalty. There's royalty-free imagery out there that you 100%. can use for free. Yes. Then there's stock you can pay for, and yep. then there's creating your own. Yes. You always want to create your own if as you often can. as possible Absolutely. if you can. But if not, at least pay for the licensing through yeah. stock, right? Well, and I think that like the thing with creating your own content, too, especially if we're just talking photographs, there is a consistency to the way that images look when you're creating your own images versus taking random stock photography, which is one of the, it's, it's you know, small little nugget of information. Like that's one key to keeping your brand consistent is having consistent looking photography. I love the word consistency. Yeah. Maybe that should have been, I will always be consistent. <laughs> always be consistent in everything I do. <laughs> okay, yeah. let's go on to number three. This okay, one you're sure. gonna love. Well, actually, yes. I know you love it. Um, never assume our audience is everyone. Yes. So dive into that a little bit because okay. we've all heard it. Clients always say it, I'm like, no, nah, it's really not. It's not. Um, okay, so I know that I've told you this story, but for the audience that doesn't know. So uh, my background started um, at uh, Dallas Baptist University. And so I taught um, social media marketing for years and years and years. I wrote a course about it, did all the things. And one of the most common things I ran into when my students were creating social media strategies was this assumption that, you know, well, I just, I want everyone to buy my product so my audience is everybody. And, and what I What a great class. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. And then you start running into it with real clients as well. We're like, well, I just want to advertise to everybody. And you're like, but you can't. The problem is, is that let's say you're trying to sell um, a really heavy duty jacket. Well, you're not going to try and sell that really heavy duty jacket to people in Texas because, well, it's currently 81 degrees outside. <laughs> um, New York, maybe. But so you can't just assume that you're targeting everybody because there's always someone that's more likely to buy your product yeah where, where they're located matters a lot like you were talking yes. about even if you're if you're a local store maybe you're not a major retailer as well yeah. you want to probably localize your audience because people may unless you're super unique they're probably not going to drive 50 miles to come get what you have if, absolutely say it's ice cream yeah right so you really start to think about your audience is also around me Mm -hmm. What's that distance? What do they look like? Who's going to do it more? Is a younger audience, an older audience? Yep. And if you want to change that audience, be purposeful in what you're posting, what that content yes. is. Um, there's, so, there's so much to it, but if you there really is. take the... I think it's taking the time to really think about it that matters. And, to, and, and also to evaluate who's currently buying your product. I think that's the big thing. I also... The one last thing I would say about this specifically is I think everyone assumes that demographic matters only when it comes to setting up your paid ads, but that's not true. And you know this, when you're yeah. creating your actual content and you're advertising how you're, you're um, formulating that actual content, who you're talking to matters because different ages, different genders, they all respond differently to that content, right? Yeah. So it's, it's not just about setting up the ads, it's also about when you create the actual content of the ad, who you're talking to. Gotcha. 
Okay, number four. Okay. <laughs> Never create something that works against your algorithm. Or it's not readable. Yep. Um, okay. Happens a lot. It happens all the time. So before I dive, in, dive into the algorithm, I actually am curious as to your thoughts about creating readable content. Can you talk about what readable content is, what that looks like? Yeah, the easiest way to generalize it is if you're driving down the road and you see a billboard. Yep. And you're in heavy traffic. Yep. Or there's no traffic, so you're yes. doing 80, 90, maybe, yeah. <laughs> depending on where you are. Um, how long do you have to read that? Right. How long do you have that message? So digital is very much like that. Attention spans are so limited right Absolutely. now that you've, you've got to grab them quickly. A yes. good visual, a good headline will draw them in, or a really great offer. You just got to, you've got to get to the point and get to yes. the point quickly in Absolutely. the first couple lines of text or the first line of text or yeah. just that little headline. Yeah. Um, the other side of it, and I'll let you expand on this a little bit more, is you don't want to take that image and fill it full of stuff. Right. You know, if it's an image, you got, oh, 10% off this, blah, blah, blah. One, mm -hmm. the platforms don't like it. That's yes. the algorithm side of it, yep. right? Absolutely. So that's where it starts to change. It's not just because it's not a good practice. Right. It also starts to work against you a little bit. Absolutely. So I think... There's, you know, there's a couple of really interesting things when it comes to creating content that works well for an algorithm, right? So you're looking at things like um, font size matters, um, how many different fonts you're using. Um, That's a really good one. <laughs> the, the amount of times I think you and I have both seen um, content that's literally created with three or four different fonts and your eyes are just like, what am I seeing? Well, where do you start, right? Yeah, you don't know where to look. And so all of that feeds into how the algorithm is willing to feed your content to other people. And a lot of that is based off of um, if one person isn't looking at your content, two people aren't looking at your content, the algorithm is automatically saying, okay, people aren't engaging with this, so they don't serve it as much, right? Yeah. Content that's already being engaged with and is visually appealing, the algorithm tends to favor anyways because people are taking action with it. And so the algorithm is more likely to serve it. So it's really kind of this game, you know? And you have to continue to look at it too. You can't yeah. just you know hit a button and let it run. Absolutely, got to pay attention to it because people get tired of it. Yes, you know? and I think that that's especially what we've done with Glint too is this this concept of at least you know on the digital side um, we have three months is about what I look at. Okay, is our content getting tired? And that's like a little bit stretching it. You know, I tend to just watch it very regularly. And then if we notice that even at that two to three month mark, it's not functioning. I'm like, hey, Craig, we got, we got to change. What do we do? Up. Yeah, because <laughs> this isn't this isn't working the way we want it to. But I think that you can't just assume that after one month, it's not good. Because sometimes the algorithm takes time to work. Time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, number five. Yeah. Never lose sight of the brand voice. Hmm. Now, what I mean by that is... If you got, you've got a company, big, small, whatever that is, yeah. if you have two or three people, maybe four people in a social media department, maybe you have one, yep. and they start talking about social on behalf of the company, and they have a certain way they do that, yeah. is that aligning with the way they do it, or should they be aligning based on how the company yeah. should be doing it? Because if somebody leaves, yep. can you tell? Right. Right? Absolutely. So I... This is this is such a this is it's such a good question. It's such a broad topic. Um, I I think that the one thing I would say best practice um, would be for having a, a 
a content creation schedule of some kind, having people reread what's being written versus just randomly posting, right? That gives more eyes on the content to help adjust that voice. But overall, I think I think it's a fine fine dance where having um, a human voice mm-hmm. in that content is so necessary. It's social. It's social. Yeah. And people want to engage with that, and they right. they want that. Um, human connection. It's what keeps people, you know, watching your content. It's what creates brand loyalty. Take Wendy's, for example. People love that Wendy's is sassy and Wendy's, you know, um, they're just, they're very sarcastic in their responses and that's who they are. But if that social media manager ever leaves, then they're kind of stuck in this bind where they have to find someone who has that same right. quick wit, you know? <laughs> and so it's, yeah. I just think it's such a finance. And as a company, you have to decide how you want to approach it. Um, you know, working for Dallas Baptist University for so many years and creating social media for them for so many years, we had to be so cautious with our brand voice. Yeah. You know, because you're a, you're a Baptist university, you're a university, you, you know, and so there are so many caveats to that, whether it's political, whether it's making sure that your grammar is 100% on point all the time. That's a really good one. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it just, it becomes this fine dance where you have to maintain that consistent brainwaves. And I, I think it's just a complicated decision that your organization has to make as a unified front. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you have to make the decision. Yeah, neither, neither one's right or wrong. Exactly. You just decide, you decide and then stick with it. And yes. don't, if somebody goes, don't go to silent for, you know, four months. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And don't don't assume that, like, um, the social media is just being taken care of. Uh, that's, that's really, really, <laughs> that's really good, actually. Because a lot of people do. Yes. You know, it's, oh, it's fine. We got somebody on it. You got to pay attention to it. Yeah. I mean, and if that somebody is an intern and that intern is no longer there, then maybe you forgot that it fell through the cracks and then you go silent. And that does happen because people don't think it's as important as it is. Right. So it falls to the the low people on the rung a lot of times, but there's a lot of talent on social. Absolutely. Yep. So there you have it. The five things we would never do in digital advertising. We'd love to hear your comments. What are, what are your things you would never do? Mm -hmm. Um, Drop us a note, a comment. Uh, you can also reach us at agency at theglintstandard.com. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Please give us a thumbs up below if you like this episode, and feel free to leave us any questions or comments you may have. To check out our past episodes, do so here. Subscribe to our channel below.